In what was the most predictable thing ever, the Philadelphia Phillies split with the Atlanta Braves winning last night in a fun game and a very important win as everyone around them in the wild card chase also won their game. So the Phillies stay two back in the wild card and we'll dive into exactly where they are and who they're chasing and what's going on with that old situation in just a little bit as we will react as well. To a nice victory yesterday as the Phillies yet again, uh, you know, split a series, uh, either win one, lose one, but never seem to get on a roll. But they split with the Braves, uh, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, which has been a um, seemingly common refrain. We'll get to a pretty crazy stat about their real legitimate definition like mediocrity over the last 25 plus games or so. But. Ultimately, the Phillies needed to win last night, and they did win last night. They stayed two back. We'll dive into it all. This is Phillies today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is September the 13th, a Friday and off day for the Phillies. We head into a weekend where the Phillies play two games Saturday and Sunday against the Boston Red Sox. We'll come to town as the Phillies' prior uh, rare Friday off day. You don't see the Friday off day. That's a new thing baseball has been doing, and you certainly... Have not seen them often this season, but the Phillies have a rare Friday off day as they gear up for the end of the season. You're sitting two back. We'll dive into where they're at. But first, a look back at last night, a nationally broadcasted game. The Phillies on Fox. John Smoltz calling the game and annoying everyone on Twitter and all that. Uh, the Phillies, uh, nice game in the sense that they battle back. The Phillies get down. Early in the game, in the very first inning, Ozzy Albies, a two-run blast to take a 2 to nothing lead off Drew Smiley, who was not great yesterday. Smiley goes four innings, three runs, allowed three earned, four runs overall, four hits, one walk, six strikeouts. The two home runs killed him as he would give up another to Adam Duvall, a monster shot in the fourth, but... Um, the Phillies battle back. Uh, they get a run in the first. Cesar, a nice home run to lead off the game for the Philadelphia Phillies. And then in the second inning, they put a couple more on the board. of Adam Hazley, a home run. Hazley just continues to contribute and do good things when he's in the lineup. One for two with a couple walks last night. Two RBI, two runs scored. Um, just been a really nice player. Made another outstanding catch in the outfield as well. Just a really talented kid is uh, who's really starting to, to play good baseball at the major league level. And that was a huge home run. Puts the Phillies in front 3-2. Then Gene Segura tacks on another two-run shot in the fifth. As the Phillies go up 5-2. Then, as mentioned before, Adam Duvall, a monster home run to left center. Just tattoos a Drew Smiley pitch for a 2 Run, Homer, 5-4 Phillies. The Phillies tag on another insurance run. The six Cesar, an RBI single. Um, Bat for the right side, just post one in the right. And this was actually a, a crazy play and a really huge play because um, it would get close again. But um, Franco gets sent uh, from second on the single, soft single to right field. The throw home is on time. And Brian McCann has Michael Franco beaten and dead to rights. But the thing is... Ryan McCann didn't realize how slow Michael Franco is. He doesn't know. We know. He did not know. And Michael Franco able to um, miss the tag as McCann sweeps the tag back really quickly, like going for the quick tag. And 
uh, it allows Franco to slide in right past him. It was really a wild play, an awesome play, an important play. As the Phillies take a 6-5 lead, a 6-4 lead, but it would become 6-5 the next inning as Ronald Acuna just kind of flicks one over the fence. He's unbelievable. Ronald Acuna, I mean, it is, it is a terror that that guy is going to be in the NL East for the next whatever decade at least. He's going to be one of the best players in baseball, if not the best, uh, you know, potentially when Trout steps aside or, or starts to lose his fastball, as it were, um, even though it's hitting his fastball, right? Um, Acuna is that next guy. I mean, he's unreal. He is just absolutely an amazing, amazing baseball player. That homer was just pure talent. As that is his 39th homer of the season. He also has 36 stolen bases. There is a really good chance that Ronald Acuna, 21-year-old Ronald Acuna, is going to go 40-40 this season. Think about that. Think about that. That's crazy. He's 21. Ugh. Ugh. And he passes the eye test. You watch him and you're like, yup, that dude is straight legit. Such a bummer. He's Atlanta Brave. Luckily, though, the Phillies were able to hang on last night as they get a, uh, the in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, any half later, they get an RBI double from Sean Rodriguez, the much maligned Sean Rodriguez. It got a little scary in the top of the eighth, too, as Hector Neres comes in. Runners on second and third with only one out. They're able to get out of the inning, a pop out, and then a line out to Sean Rodriguez. And then the Phillies come up in the bottom of the eighth and tack on a couple. A Sean Rodriguez double, and then a Jake D. Realmuto two-run bomb, a monster shot to right center field, and the Phillies take a uh, 9-5 lead, which they were able to hold on to as Neris would come in and uh, Neris would stay in and shut it down. In the ninth, he gets his 26th save of the season. Neris has actually been really great. They showed a graphic on the screen over his last 18, 17, 18 games. He's been a .57 ERA. He's been outstanding. And um, Jared Hughes, the W last night for for running in the, the running in Jared. Good for you, Jared. But JD Romito, man, what a what a beast! Slugging percentage over 500 now. He's got a 504 slugging all of a sudden. Again, career highs uh, in home runs and RBI already. As last night he hit his 25th home run of the season. He had 82 RBI on the season. He is. Um, and again, playing the best catcher defense in baseball, the most important defensive position in the sport, hands down. He has been one of the best players in baseball this year, you could argue. I think there's a, a good chance uh, Joe Giglio pointed out on Twitter that he'll get legitimate MVP votes, which he should. I mean, he has been the best player on this team. I've said that before. I'll say it again. And um, just a really um, – and it's funny because he's been absolutely scorching hot lately, and that's – Kind of gotten the numbers up, and we've started to notice the hitting more. And obviously the, the defense all season long with throwing runners out and just the, the steady presence and everything that he does. And what a warrior back there. Just takes poundings and just keeps coming back. And um, But, I, you know, I just I, I can't. I think we've underrated how great he's been. And the last month plus have kind of shined a light on the season he's had. And uh, he's really been one of the better players in baseball, certainly the best catcher in baseball without a – Without a question, like it's not even a question, and that is a massively important position. So that alone makes him one of the best players in baseball, but he was particularly, um, really deserves the credit as he has been great. And uh, that was a big home run as the Phillies 
win it nine to five, a desperately needed victory again, as uh, the Phillies just really needed needed it. Man, we needed it. They needed it. As they remain two back, all the other teams in the race run. We'll look at that coming up. Uh, one thing I want to mention though before we move on from this Brave series is we talked a lot about Dallas Keuchel and how good he was against the Phillies. Now that's kind of an indictment of Matt Klintak and the front office, and I, I absolutely feel that way. And it turns out Dallas Keuchel did too. This is something we didn't get to yesterday, but Keuchel comments after the game two nights ago uh, said, "I mean, if you don't talking about the Phillies, if I mean if you don't come call him, what is there to be mad about? What is there for me to be mad about?" He said. I think a lot of those guys over there in the front office are second-guessing themselves, and I mean, I would too. How about that? That is a shot across the bow from Dallas Keuchel and a well-deserved one, as we talked about. The man has a 3.35 ERA. In his last six starts, he's 5-0 and with a .97 ERA. He's been absolutely awesome. He's been a difference maker for the Braves. He's someone who could have been a difference maker for the Phillies for the cost of $13 million. For this year, that's it. No long-term commitment. No giving up of assets. No giving up of any player on your roster. All you have to do is pay the man. I mean, that guy, legitimately, with the way he's pitched, that guy, theoretically, could be the difference between the Phillies making the playoffs and not. Instead, they got Jared Vargas and Drew Smiley and these guys going out and just not being good enough. And Dallas Keuchel is. And it's a real shame. And it should be an indictment of Matt Klentak. And I think that Dallas Keiko was absolutely fair to take that shot. And even Bryce Harper that, that was asked after the game about it as well. And he said, look, you know, I don't know why any team wouldn't want a Dallas Keiko. Good for them for signing him, essentially, to paraphrase. And, um, you know, that's that's interesting as well. It seems like, you know, I think this, this clubhouse, as we've talked about a lot, every move this front office has made has been basically saying we don't believe in this team to this clubhouse, to this group of guys. I mean, they have done nothing to really invest in this team this year to say we believe in you guys. We believe you can go out and get it. And, like, you know, I mean, these guys are athletes. They're humans. They're competitive. I mean, they know these things. And it feels like that's the kind of thing that that the locker room, the clubhouse, wanted Dallas Keuchel to be signed. And he wasn't. And now he's killing it for the Braves. And that's probably really frustrating. It's frustrating for us as fans, but I'm sure that's really frustrating for the guys in that clubhouse too. Because, I mean, they want to win as bad as anybody. And to have their front office, the the guy that put the team together, the people that put the team together, not believe in them the way that they believe in themselves and think what they could do, I mean, that's that's too bad. And I do think it matters when you look at this team. And, uh, you know, look, uh, ultimately, still in it, still fighting. And I give the, the players in that clubhouse a ton of credit for that, especially after what we saw last year. But I think that when you look at the failures of this team, ultimately, when the season ends, when they probably don't make the playoffs, as Ken Rosenthal pointed out, and another nugget from Rosenthal coming up from last night, the Fox broadcast. Um, but as Ken Rosenthal pointed out, you, you have to look at the front office. It is the front office's fault that they are here. Their, their inability to develop and uh, judge pitching talent is the reason we're here. And it's a shame. And their inability to believe in this team, to invest in this team, even to make smart moves on the margins. Like, again, to sign Dallas Keuchel, there was no reason not to check that guy out and see him. And, and ah, it's so frustrating. 
so frustrating. Coming up, uh, like I said, more Ken Rosenthal. But, uh, and, and uh, you know, the Keiko thing was very frustrating. I think it's fair that Keiko said it. One more thing about f- last night before we move on. Fox broadcast was not particularly great, but also very frustrating to see the, the stadium so empty on the national stage. And it's been empty the last few games. We've talked about that here already, but that was a bummer because it's a national stage and a big game. And I understand it's a, a Thursday night. It's tough to get out there, but a team that is in a pennant chase that is two games away from a playoff, you know, spot and uh, playing a division rival, a team that's really good, a, a big game, a game that's on national TV. Um, you hope that, that you get more people down there, but look, I understand that they're a frustrating team. They are tough to um, believe in and, and whatnot because they are so up and down from night to night, but um, still a shame. All right, coming up, uh, like I said, an interesting nugget from Ken Rosenthal and Gabe Kapler. And uh, also we will look at the standings, the upcoming schedule over the weekend, a whole lot more. So all that is coming up on Phillies today. It's James Seltzer. We're coming right back. We are back, James Seltzer. Phillies today coming up in just a little bit. We'll look ahead to what's coming up for the Phillies and, of course, look at where they sit in the wild card standings, who's around them and all that. But first... Uh, as mentioned before, Ken Rosenthal on the Fox broadcast last night had this to say, and uh, Joe Giglio tweeted out on Gabe Kapler's job security. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Rosenthal, as he alluded to in his piece on The Athletic, said, quote-unquote, if they miss the playoffs, the question is going to be out there, particularly because Joe Madden might be out there. Buck Showalter is out there. Joe Girardi is out there. But I don't know that this is on the manager. The front office was passive. They could have had signed Dallas Keiko. They could have went with better relievers. So, look, Rosendahl's right there. That's what we're saying. And we've said, you know, I think if you have to blame someone, you blame the front office and not Kapler nearly as much. But that doesn't mean that Kapler's going to keep his job. Ultimately, Middleton might want change, and he might say, we're changing at the manager. I want someone who's going to fight back against Klintak and going to, you know, keep them honest and someone who's going to maybe, you know, offer alternatives and not necessarily just do what they're told and all that. So, um, I mean, look, if Joe Madden comes here, Joe Madden's going to have some control. If Buck Showalter comes here, he's going to have some control. If Joe Girardi comes here, he's going to have some control. So um, Kapler uh, is Klintak's handpicked guy. That's the guy he brought in to run this team. If Kapler goes, as Rosenthal alluded to, then all of a sudden the sights are right on Klintak that you have to keep that. You know, that's what it is. But I think it's going to be really interesting because I think the Phillies are going to miss the playoffs, and I think it's going to be a really interesting decision to see what happens with Kapler. As I've already said, I don't think there's any chance that Klintag is gone, even though I would you know, not be opposed to that. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I, I think that Klintag is safe, but there will be a greater eye on him. But I think Kapler could be in a lot of trouble if they don't miss a, make the playoffs. In fact, if I had to bet one way or the other, I feel like if they miss the playoffs, he's probably gone. He will be the scapegoat. And I agree with Rosenthal. I don't think it's his fault nearly as much as Klintag, though I don't think Kapler is. Uh, you know, I think he has his fault as well. But ultimately, I think he's in a lot of trouble if this team doesn't make the playoffs, and I don't expect him to, but um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Um you know, again, I do agree with Rosenthal, though, that the blame is more on the front office than on Kapler. But I do think that, you know, especially with some intriguing names, if Madden gets fired by the Cubs which or leaves the Cubs, which wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, Buck Showalter is a little older, but 
would be interesting. Joe Girardi, of course, someone who um, you know has blended old school and new school approaches, could work with this front office very easily. And uh, if he does want to coach again, uh, makes a lot of sense. But um, it's going to be interesting. I-, I think ultimately, if they don't make the playoffs, John Middleton's going to want a bigger name in here. Not necessarily a bigger name, but someone who's more established, a head coach who can come in here and take a team that um, is going to be mostly, you know, kind of a group of veteran or not veteran players, younger veteran players, people who have been in the majors for a while but are, are younger, um, you know, in their mid-20s to, you know, early 30s or whatever, and and kind of can, can take all those personalities and put them together because you assume they're going to have to build through free agency yet again this offseason as there's obviously not a lot in the system that is going to be there to uh, supplement. So um, it's going to be really interesting. I think uh, watching what they do at manager based on what happens is going to be a fascinating, fascinating situation. And tell you a lot about Clentac standing in the organization as well. All right. Uh, let's look at uh, where they sit in the standings as we talked about the wild card chase as we head into a weekend of baseball with Phillies off tonight and then two against the Red Sox as the Phillies right now currently are two games back. Of the second wild card spot, the Washington Nationals three games up on the second wild card spot, five up on the Phillies. So um, Phillies not going to catch the Nationals, obviously. As we look at this sitting here, um, as we are 146 games into the season, 16 left to play. Um, you know that's not going to be a, a deficit that is made up. The Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers right now are tied for the second wild card. At 78 and 68, the Phillies and the Mets are tied two games back at 76 and 70. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are three and a half back of that at 75 and 72. Probably that's going to be tough to, to come out of that hole there, um, but it's still possible. But Phillies and Mets, uh, Mets have an easier schedule over the rest of the season, as do the Cubs and the Brewers for what it's worth. The Phillies have a tough schedule left. Uh, they have still have five with the Nationals. They still have more with the Braves. They have the Indians on the schedule. It's going to be a tough run here. It's not going to be easy. And um, with the mediocrity we've seen the Phillies, a stat about that coming up, um, it's obviously hard to believe that they're going to do enough to get the job done. But as I said, here's the thing. None of these teams are great either. The Cubs are an incredibly flawed team who just lost their best player for the season in Javi Baez, or at least till the playoffs if they make it in Javi Baez. Um, he is such a spark plug and such an important piece of that team. And uh, he's missing. Chris Bryant has been hurting on and off. Um, that is a team that has a lot of holes. The Milwaukee Brewers, the other team tied with the Cubs, they just lost the MVP in baseball in Christian Yelich. That's certainly going to hurt. That is a massive thing. They have a really, really up-and-down pitching staff, more bad than good. So they are not someone you, you couldn't see not finishing out the last 16 games strong. And then the New York Mets, we know the Mets. I mean, they're the streakiest team in baseball. Uh, unfortunately, they've been on a better streak lately as they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've won four straight games. But um, they are also, uh, you know, they're the Mets. You can see them imploding at any time, though they do have an easier schedule in the Phillies. So um, it's one of those things where it's a lot tougher when there are so many more teams. If the Phillies were just two games back and chasing one team, you'd feel a lot more optimistic. But... When there are four teams there, three with easier schedules, it makes it a lot more complicated. It makes it a lot more unlikely that the Phillies are going to actually defeat the odds and get there. That's why when you look at all the playoff projection um, you know, estimates, the algorithms and all that that pump out of Fangrass and Reference and 538, 
they all have the Phillies in the you know three, four, five percent range, six percent range because um, the Phillies have not been playing as well as some of these other teams, and they also have a harder schedule than some of these other teams. I mean, you look at the remaining schedule for the Mets, the Brewers, and the Cubs; it, they're all easier. They just are. It's a fact. And the Phillies' remaining schedule is tough. And there's only easy series left is the Marlins, and we all know that ain't easy for this Phillies team. But Look, they are in it. They're two back with 16 to play. That is far from the longest odds. You know, that is that is something that is in play. But the schedule does not make it easy. As And again, the Mets have been playing good baseball. The Cubs have kind of stayed in front of the Phillies for a while here. The Brew Crew, finding ways to win games. So, um, you know, look, here's the thing. The Phillies have to be more than mediocre, which is something we haven't seen. They keep winning and losing and winning and losing and winning and losing. And they'll win a series, they'll lose a series. To such a point, and granted, this changed yesterday with the win, but Corey Seidman put this out before the game yesterday that is just an astounding factoid. Heading into yesterday's game, the Phillies were 1-1 one one in their last two games, 2-2 two two in their last four, 3-3. Three three. In their last six, five and five. In their last ten, six and six. In their last twelve, seven and seven. In their last fourteen, I'm not even kidding. Eight and eight in their last sixteen. Nine and nine in their last eighteen. Ten and ten in their last twenty. Eleven and eleven in their last twenty-two. And twelve and twelve in their last twenty-four. How ridiculous is that? It felt like the Phillies would win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one for all intents and purposes. And guess what? That's what they did. Literally, it is absolutely crazy how this team just can't seem to rise above even for a stretch of a few games. They can't get on any sort of a roll. It's, I've never seen like it. I've never seen a team that, that stays above 500 and keeps winning games but is so different from night to night and batting good and batting good and batting good and batting good. I've, ne- I've, really, I've never seen like it. It really is crazy. And they did it again with the Braves. Two, they win two, they lose two. They win one, they lose one. They win one, they lose one. Literally, that is what happened. So, um, they have to do more. They have to do better if they're going to find a way to somehow get past this deficit that they're in. I mean, one of that's the thing. The reason it's tougher is with their three teams that they are competing with that either have the same as them or are two games up. Two teams are two games up, and the Mets are the same. Like you have to figure that one of those three is going to be good, so the Phillies can't just go ten, uh, go eight and eight over the last sixteen, which has been their trend. They can't go eight and eight over the last sixteen and just assume that the Mets, the Cubs, and the Brewers, the Cubs and Brewers would have to go six and ten in those games, and the Mets would have to go eight and eight for them to tie. You have to assume one of those teams is going to play better than that, and that's what makes it tough. And that's what makes the odds long. Unless the Phillies can somehow put together their first run of the season at the end. Wouldn't that be something? Just when they needed it the most. I'm not optimistic, but literally, that's what it's going to take. All right, looking ahead to the weekend as the Phillies off tonight. Then two against the Red Sox here before they head on the road for a while. Basically, the rest of the season on the road until the last series of the season. So they have two against the Red Sox at home tomorrow night. Aaron Nola versus Eduardo Rodriguez, who's been really good for the Red Sox. And then Vincent Velasquez against Rick Porcello, who's been less good. So 
Um, that is a monster two-game series against the Red Sox. And then on the road, off day Monday, then on the road, three in Atlanta, three in Cleveland, five in Washington. There's an 11-game road series, and then they come home for three against the Marlins. So we will see if those three against the Marlins matter, if they can stay in it. This is a, a grueling stretch. If they can stay in it, it'll be impressive because they've been better at home than they have on the road, and this is a tough spot. So I am not hopeful, but I am hoping we will see what happens. Either way, we'll be back on Monday to talk about all of it and to look ahead to the last little bit of the season we have left coming up. So until then, thank you for listening to Philly State right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network.